The part about it is, is if all you're looking for is the results, it can become very frustrating. And so enjoying every step along the way is really key. All right, welcome back. Another episode. Uh, this one I'm going to do a little bit different. I'm flying solo on it. Wonder Boy is down in the shop working on projects like a busy little elf. And I am actually recording in my kitchen by myself. But uh, he helped me get this set up. And we're going to do this episode a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Um, similar in some, some ways. But uh, I have, if you follow us on Instagram um, or any of our social media stuff, you will see that as October winds down here, um, it's been a really, really incredible couple weeks for me. I've been really lucky, been able to spend a lot of time in the woods, um, particularly with the dogs. Uh, have a long list of, of things that I hope to be able to address in the podcast. Ideas, thoughts, recaps, um, things that I think will bring bring some value to, to you as the listener from a training perspective and maybe probably from like a transitioning standpoint from training to hunting, because that's really what we did with Callie uh, over the last few weeks. Um, we've, we did a series on her. We wrote an article, a column for about her training for Gundog Magazine. So she's been a, a big part of um, the last, I'd say about a, not quite a year, ten, eight, nine, ten months, I guess. <clears throat> and so you've been able to probably see a lot of that progress. And the last few weeks and and month and a half or so has really been um, a great extension of that training. And we've been able to get what I exactly what I was hoping to get out of the fall so far. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be sharing more about that. Um, Not in this episode, this episode is uh, partially to I guess catch up, play a little catch up. Um, I'm behind on messaging. And so I've gotten a lot of emails. I've got 54 unread emails right now. And and when I say unread, I mean like I haven't even read them yet. Um, I've gone through, I probably have another 50 to 100 that are like need to be, I need to spend attention on and respond to. None of them are like the critical, critical things that keep our business going day to day. Those ones I've been able to keep up with. But I, so admittedly, I've, I've fallen behind and it's just, I think it's a, uh, a, a reality of there are only so many hours in the day. And I certainly could have and typically would have been able to keep up better with it. But I made a decision. Um, and I made a decision that this fall we were going to hunt our dogs a little bit more um, than we ever have. Um, normally, I'm not able to spend that amount of time in the woods. Um, but thankfully, and I'm really, really happy that I was able to. Um, Reasoning is probably a different podcast. I mean, an incredible team around us that we've built here. Just a lot of support from lots of different angles. So that's allowed us to do it. But it has made it a little bit tougher keeping up with some of it. So I am literally. I sat a couple couple mornings. um, I went out and sat by the lake in front of our cabin, which a great place to do this. Uh, Sat on a chair and I just answered questions through our social platforms. And instead of, I don't even type them out because it takes too long to type them out with my thumb. Instead, I was just hitting the little microphone thing in the bottom right-hand corner and talking out my answers. And so I started doing that. And so I spent, you know, an hour, a couple different mornings doing that, just addressing five, 10, 15 questions back at a time. 
And so I started doing that this morning and I thought about it and I realized I actually think that a lot of these could be really good podcast answers uh, or questions. And we've, we've done that in the past. We've done a lot of questions, made a podcast episode out of it. I think it's valuable because if one person has a question, other people do as well. And so what I'm going to do a little bit differently is Ben set me up here. I'm going to go through and answer as many as I can, but I'm not going to dedicate a 15, 20, 25 minutes to a question. I'm going to mac, I'm going to cap it at five minutes for myself more than anything, because I can jabber about stuff into tomorrow if I really wanted to. I have to be careful that sometimes I get long-winded that way. So I'm going to be as concise as I can, to the point as I can, and get you as many answers as I can. And it's going to help me catch up not only with um, a lot of the things that I'm behind on, but I also think it will make for probably some value when it comes to the podcast. And so Ben has been doing a good job. Logan has been doing a good job of creating... um, more diverse episodes. I, I don't want to get stuck in a rut of always doing the same episode the same way. Um, we've done a few that have gotten some really nice feedback and I appreciate that feedback because it allows us to understand what you like and what you don't like, uh, what works, what doesn't work. But we are going to continue to try to do that and diversify this instead of being a podcast question and answer thing. We want it to be more diverse as far as in audio version of content is all it is and it's a lot it could range and it could be a variety so those guys are actually pulling stuff out of um, previously recorded things that i think are valuable audible nuggets and and we're trying to share those in as many ways as we can so i'm going to get into it i've got a clock here this is going to be interesting for me because i'm going to try to do it on my own but i'm watching this clock and there'll probably be a couple breaks throughout this and i think those guys will be able to clean it up for me nicely um as i have to hit stop record and different stuff like that but let's get into it right away um and before we do i want to thank you guys again for the support and the it's hard for us to describe how much we appreciate you guys listening and sharing and doing those things because um it really is the motivator for me so um getting messages back with pictures and true testimonials of, hey, we did this, this, and this, and it's working. It really, really means a lot. So thank you for that. Um, And I thank you for your patience. Uh, You know, with with some people, you know, this one I'm reading back is an October 14th message. So, um, you know, we're talking two weeks and I don't like, I'm not proud of that, but um, we're going to do our best to try to get caught back up, at least with some of the social media stuff. So here is the question. Hey, sorry for bothering you, but I have been watching your YouTube videos. I have a one-year-old lab mix. We've been tracking deer ever since he tracked his first live deer about 150 yards with no blood at all, four months old. And now we're getting close to the season. We've been practicing a lot, consistently tracking large amounts of space with little to no blood, but I cannot get him to come back with a whistle. What would you suggest to make him obey and come back when I blow the whistle? Thank you for your time. And so I did message him back sh- quick, short and sweet and said, hey, we're going to record a podcast. I'm going to get a little more into it. He, this is a great question. Um, for, I think the, the, the quick and easy on this is they're two completely separate things. Your tracking and your preparation for tracking is one thing. That's a skill set developed for the field. Foundation is another thing in its own and recall is part of that foundation so i always say heel sit stay come when i call you if you can do those four things you can do anything with a dog for the most part and then you're able to get into more formal training and specific skill set stuff so tracking is one of those things now i don't know where where this guy is from his name is logan 
Logan, not sure where you're from, but the the tracking laws here are on lead. So I can't, when I go to track, I have to have my dog on lead. I don't mind it. I actually prefer it. I think it allows me more feel. It allows me better control. Um, not that I'm worried about my dogs running off because I'm not. And that's the question you're asking is how do I get them to come back? I don't think you do that practicing on tracking for multiple reasons. Well, if your dog's tracking, we don't want them recalling back. So I think you got to separate these two things and recall is recall. Recall to the whistle is just a variation of recall. It could be you could call them to you or you could blow the whistle. I, I do multiple blasts on the whistle. Beep, 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 beep. That means come to me. Beep, beep. That means quartering, make a change in direction, check in with me. I use different cadences with whistles for different things. Single blast, stop to the whistle. So your question is specifically, how do I get them to come back when I blow the whistle? Well, it starts out with a drill. And so recall first, you can incorporate the whistle into it as an extension of instead of the recall command of here or come or whatever you say, you substitute the whistle. But you start out in a real controlled environment. So there aren't a lot of distractions. And so the answer to getting to how can I get them to recall in a very distracting situation, like you're describing when the dog's tracking, I look at that and I go, well, you don't go from A to Z, you go from A to B and B to C and C to D. And, and then you slowly work your way to the end. So simplify things take away all the distractions, get the behavior. So if dog goes out, you teach the dog here. And so how do you do that? Well, sometimes I turn and walk away from them. Sometimes I just get down and I invite them into me, body language type stuff. This is all stuff that even at a year old, which you have a year old dog, it's a puppy, you need to be focused on that foundational work. You gotta be able to call the dog in all situations. Don't start out in busy ones. Don't start out in distracting ones. Start out in simple ones and get it perfect. And then from there, move to another spot and do it there until it's perfect. And then move to another spot because that location, that physical spot is going to make a difference. Perfect it, move on. Perfect it, move on. Then you can start slowly adding in layers of distraction. Layers of distraction could be environmental, which is location, or it could be outside something. Could be there's another dog around. Could be there's vehicles around could be there's kids playing games down the street i it all depends on your scenario and your situation but you have to have a dog that is 100 percent in all of them by the end and at one year old maybe you're not there so you slow down you take you simplify it and you go back and you perfect that skill set alone our foundation video has a chapter specifically on recall lots of them lots of drills that we do so there's not like one thing that you do and it and it makes it all perfect there's a, it's a combination and then it's a consistency thing. So again, it's back to the idea of how do you train a dog? Repetition and consistency form habits. So that's it. I'm going to move on to the next one, Logan. And I sent you a message on that. So you'll be able to hear this and I'll send it to you as well. Um, here's another one. Jeremy, I admire your work. Thanks for the videos. They're great. I'm on my third lab currently. He's seven months old and I'm having problems with his retrieve. His retrieve isn't great. His retrieve is great, but delivery is poor. He doesn't want to bring it to me. Holds up five feet and he, and if he does bring it to me, he doesn't want to give it up. Wants to play keep away. Any trips, tricks or tips? I said to you, you know, there's lots of things you can do. And so when the dog stops short, we turn and go away from them. They don't want to be left alone. They typically come. There's a lot of, and this is Keegan who sent this. Keegan, there's a lot of information out there on our YouTube. And you had said here, uh, you messaged me um, 
I, I kind of re- recommended, you know, back to you. I said, I would go through hold conditioning at some point. Seven months is a little young. So I'm trying not to necessarily need that at seven months. I'm trying to shape that delivery a little bit more, share it a little bit more. We've talked a lot about that on a lot of different podcasts. And we have a new series called Hold Conditioning Series. It's under our training library, which is free on our new website. Tons of information there, but we specifically are posting videos daily of a series that we're doing. Right now, it's a dog named Elsa. We got a dog named Tito that's coming up next. We got a dog named Moja that's coming up. We've got, these are filmed years ago. Like we've, we, and I've got, I've got hundreds of them with, uh, I don't know if I'd say a dozen dogs, but there's probably close to 10 different dogs that we filmed the process and never really knew exactly what we wanted to do with them. We were thinking about doing a series um, and offering it as a, a, its whole separate entity, like in a DVD series type thing. But we've decided it's such an important topic. Um, we're just going to give them to you. So we are sharing them almost like a Netflix type thing. And I don't watch Netflix, but we had a long conversation about this last night. And we talked about series like Yellowstone and series like uh, Ozarks and these different things that kind of are consuming of people and get them to watch and binge watch and all that. We are trying to do something similar, obviously very different topics, but we're we're loading new videos to these dogs. They're pretty raw and they're pretty unedited and they're pretty documentary type style they're not they're not necessarily the most entertaining but the information i think is valuable so i would definitely recommend watching those series there's several of them out there right now and there's one that's being added to uh regularly that's the elsa one so uh i'm gonna go to another question here now i'm gonna dig into some new ones some of these i haven't even read yet so you're gonna be sifting through it for the first time here here's a question this is from stevie Question for a podcast. Hello, I just found you on YouTube and started listening to your podcast. Thank you for what you do and providing help to owners. I have an almost two-year-old female, small Munsterlander. She went through professional training at five months and six months of age. From training, she would not pick up a dead bird, and to this day, she still won't. I have trouble with her overall retrieve. I can't even get her to approach a dead bird. She acts kind of freaked out by dead animals. She will go after an injured bird all day. I am working on hold conditioning because she is a victory lap dog. I don't want to pay for more training only to come out with no success. So no specific question from Stevie, more of a little bit of a background here. And so I'm going to assume your question is, what do I do? Um, So here's my thought with this. Now, she's two years old. She was trained five and six months of age. I, me personally, I look at that and I go, well, that's fine. I don't know what they worked on, but to me, that's a little, you know, that's really young anyway. So I wouldn't be too surprised at the idea of like, I don't know that that training should have addressed your issue. It does sound like you've had an issue with live birds. And so my question, maybe I'm going to probably have more questions than answers maybe at this point. But the question is, is okay, when did the dog see its first live bird or dead bird? What did that process look like? Because as you know, I believe in the idea of incremental training. And so, you know, you also say here that she's got a victory lap issue. Now, that's a totally different thing. Um, You also say that I've had trouble with her overall retrieve. That could be a variety of things. So what does that exactly mean? So here's here's my thought on it. You got a two-year-old dog. And I think dog was sent off for training five to six months old. I don't, that's fine. I don't know. You probably were, I would guess they worked on foundation. 
So my question comes back to, well, how's the foundation? So he'll sit, stay, come when I call you. If you can get those dogs doing those things, I think you can do a lot of things with them. The retrieve part, I look at it and I go, yes, you have a two-year-old. So what? Like it could be two years old, which is 24 months. It could be 12 months old. It could be eight months old. It could be four months old. It really doesn't matter. My question, my answer is always start in the beginning. So the idea of she doesn't have a very good retrieve, she likes to run victory laps, and she doesn't pick up dead birds are three completely separate things. And your answer to me in one of the things you said was, I am working on hold conditioning. So I would say before you, before I, so hold conditioning will fix a lot of this, probably, but not if you're missing a lot of parts. So like the idea of victory laps, yeah, I think hold conditioning helps that. Because if the dog goes out and picks it up and comes back but doesn't want to come right to you, hold conditioning will fix it. But if the dog runs out and doesn't pick it up in the first place, that's an issue that hold conditioning isn't necessarily going to fix. If the dog runs out and doesn't pick up a bird, how come? Is it because the bird is just another object? So can hold conditioning fix that? It probably can help because you can process that bird through. But before that, before I would look at hold conditioning to fix it, I would look at it as, okay, there's a process of introducing feathers. So feathered dummies, cold game, fresh killed game, you know, different processes of those are important. Like cold game is important because it doesn't allow a dog to chomp. It allows the dog to feel and smell and have the bird in the mouth, but it doesn't necessarily allow him to mouth it like it's a warm, fresh killed bird. So there's all sorts and what kind of birds, you know, when you go to that warm, fresh killed bird, are you using a bird that the feathers slip real easy? Or are you using a, a, a bird like a, a little teal or something that's not going to slip easy? A pigeon. I'd rather, I wouldn't use a morning dove. I wouldn't use a grouse. Those birds have feathers that really slide. They really come off and they, they're in the dog's mouth and now all of a sudden the dog doesn't like it and they're spitting it out and they're trying to get these feathers out. So uh, what's that that process of the bird thing is its own thing. So first off, I'd say get the retrieve because I don't care if they don't bother. I don't care if they don't mind picking up birds if they can't retrieve anyway. So it's a sequence of importance. First off, retrieve. Second off, what to retrieve. Third, address what they don't want to retrieve. So first off, the answer is I get into a, a controlled environment. Again, like a lot of the answers have sim very similar themes. Simplify it. Make it easier. Don't challenge. Make it so simple that they can hardly make a mistake. And then do that enough times that it becomes habitual, becomes normal. And then you can slowly start to give the dog opportunity to have to make some decisions or choices. And then you can start shaping them to make the right ones. So I go back to the long hallway. I've yet to have a dog escape from a long hallway with all the with all the doors closed. I've yet to have a dog be able to run past me in those set setups. It also, I think, is real, really works to our benefit to channel dogs focus down and back, down and back. There's just nothing out there for them to want to go and do different. So that's how I'd start. It might be a tennis ball, especially if the dog doesn't want to pick stuff up. Some dogs pick up tennis balls and they hold on to them and they don't want to let them go. So I don't care what the object is because that's first off, it's retrieve. Second off, it's figure out how to bring it back. So if the dog doesn't want to pick up the bird, is it because he doesn't want to pick up anything or is it because it's the bird? And it sounds like it might be because it's the bird. So start out with the, 
the hallway, get the retrieve perfect with something, then switch to another object, then switch to another object, then switch to another object, then maybe move to a different scenario that's a little more freedom but still helps channel and replicate it there. And then maybe you change more items. And then, you know, if you got it perfect, so I look at this and I go, if you got it perfect, and the dog retrieves every time in the hallway with all sorts of objects, then take a cold game, take something go back to an area that they're super confident in, use cold game, use a frozen teal, use something that's small and easy for the dog to pick up. Use a feathered, hell, start out with a feathered dummy and get the dog picking that up. Make it small. Take a little puppy, we have these little puppy fire hose dummies. I tape wings to those. Use electric, a guy asked me questions, how do I get this? How do I get the hide on the dummies? How do I get the wings on the dummies? I use electrical tape. Don't overcomplicate it, just wrap it with electrical tape. And then, Go down and back. And if, if the dog wants to pick and pluck at the feathers, put more tape on it. Just leave a small amount of feathers. And then slowly lessen the amount as the dog gets past the idea of I want to pick and peck at the feathers. And slowly work your way to more of a real bird. Some dogs you can make really big jumps with really quickly. They will tell you if they can't. And so then you got to have the flexibility to go back. So, Stevie, I'm going to send you... Uh, a message and tell you that we talked about it in this podcast. Okay, we are going to take a break from that. I'm an hour, nearly an hour into this. Ben might chop this up, so you might get it in a couple pieces, but I thought this would be a good way to kind of quick hit on questions. Catch me up a little bit on some Instagram. Thank you guys for your patience with me. Email people, be patient. You're going to get an email back. Um, but I, I truly appreciate your support with this. I ask you if you're listening to this on a app or some type of a listening platform that allows for reviews, if you give it a review and even a comment, um, you know, a review and, and uh, your feedback, because that really helps us better understand what we're doing well, what we're not doing so well, what we need to improve on. It also, the, the primary reason I ask you to do it is because it allows for this to be shared to people that are in similar positions and would potentially benefit from it. And our goal with everything we're doing right now is trying to help those interested in training their dog to allow for them to have a better experience with them. So I'm winded. It was a power hour of, of question and answer. Thank you guys. We'll talk to you soon and we'll keep doing these. Enjoy the next few weeks and months because the fall goes way too quickly. Uh, if I could pause October and let it go for about 90 days, I would. I can't. Um, but enjoy it. Uh, this is, I, I, I've hunted with dogs that have done amazing things so far this year. I've hunted with dogs that have struggled. I've enjoyed both of them equally because it's all just a different pace is all we're doing. The cadence of, and the progress is just different. And the, the part about it is, is if all you're looking for is the results, it can become very frustrating. And so enjoying every step along the way is really key and so those who are at home right now that are really flying high and their dog's doing well, I'm going to give you a warning. They're going to drop and things are going to go to hell. That's okay. Be ready for it. Be good with it. You'll get back up. Those who are really struggling right now, stay patient. Don't get frustrated. Things will click and all of a sudden you, the shoe will be on the other foot and you're going to be flying high. It's, it's the people that are able to maintain somewhere in the middle. Those are the ones that get the furthest, the fastest. Those are the ones that truly enjoy all of it because it can be tough. It can be really tough and it can be really frustrating. And that's why we're doing what we're doing, try to help you kind of get through it because I get frustrated. I have the struggles too. And I want to share that with you because I think it's important for you to know. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.